Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Let's be honest, it has been a summer of scandal and crisis in our church, and there are so many things to sort through, so many emotions, so many questions that remain, but one question in particular that continues to linger is, what are we supposed to do? On today's episode, we're going to give you five actions that you can take during this current crisis. Along the way, we're going to share with you our own reactions to what's happening but also an amazing sign of God's providence from our gender reveal party this last weekend. So let's get started. It is not very often that we have to do this. In fact, I think this is the second time. Oh my goodness. In the history of the podcast, we've had to do this, but we are recording this episode for a second time. It must be such a good episode that... We had to record it twice because the devil didn't want the first one and we're so persistent that we wanted a second one. Yes. So we just recorded this episode and you could hear me, but you couldn't really hear Kevin. I was at a whisper like this, but now I'm normal but like this. not like that. No. Yeah. No. So, hey, we're back. Um, hello again. Um, gosh, I'm having deja vu. So... I am excited to say that we are recording a podcast for the second time in a row, which is yeah. really good for us lately. Yep. We are going to get back into schedule. We have moved. School is starting. There's going to be a routine, which I'm very excited about. And Kevin and I sat down and said, okay, we have all these episodes that are ready to like record. We just need to record them. Yep. That lens are there. I uh, just haven't been able to record them. And everything we looked at just felt... Like it wasn't the right episode for this week. And we came back to talking about the crisis and the scandal that's been going on in the church, which is really difficult to talk about. And part of us goes, well, can't we just talk about other things and pretend like it's not happening? But really, it's it's been the predominant... Um, Narrative... Yeah, I story. Don't, yes, that's been going on in our church lately, and it just didn't feel right to talk about anything else. And new information keeps coming to light that's adding to, to this conversation, that's adding to this story, that's adding to what's going on. And so you thought, you know, we just we need to talk about it again. Um, and before we dive in here, I, I want to make sure, first of all, that it's clear that what we're going to say and, and the way we're going to say it, and maybe even the tone sometimes, is, is always going to feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the reality of this topic. And the reason it's going to feel inadequate is because there are no adequate words for what's going on right now. There are no adequate words. It's been weeks of this, back to back to back, and it doesn't matter how many ways we slice it. It's just horrific. It's yep. heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching. Um, you know, Kevin and I were talking about it like this. It, it, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes, and... I remember what's happening and I just like have a hard time settling back down. Um, mm -hmm. And so we want, we want you first and foremost to know that um, we're there with you. We're angry. We're upset. We're frustrated. Um, and we can look at this and we can talk about, well, why is this happening? Um, what is happening? 
and and we don't want to focus on that so much today but we want to focus on the how because this is the how to catholic podcast and so we want to spend some time this episode with some very practical things that we can do in the midst of all of this because jesus is real and, and the catholic church is real even though there's a lot of brokenness in it and that is rearing its very ugly head and very real hard ways right now but we want to look at what do we do absolutely how do we go from here and so that's that's what we're going to talk about today but before we dive in i think it's important that we understand a little bit of this what or why question of what's going on so kevin why don't you give us a little bit of um a little bit of history of what what has happened this summer in the church for those who Maybe you have heard things, but you know there's a little bit of fuzziness, and let's let's just get kind of a quick outline so people understand where we're coming from. Yeah, because it's been progressing over several months, and so uh, really three main things just want to run through before you get to the house. So the first one is just surrounding Cardinal McCarrick. Cardinal McCarrick was the Archbishop of Washington D.C. He's currently the Emeritus Archbishop of Washington D.C. He's currently still alive. He's 88 years old, and it came out earlier this summer that he had had. Uh, immoral sexual relationships with seminarians and uh, and had also molested a minor. And so there was lots of questions of just like, how did this man who did these things and that many people seem to already know about, how did this man rise in the ranks to become a bishop and then the cardinal? And there would be questions surrounding who knew what and when they knew it and why they didn't do anything about it, uh, including Cardinal Whirl, who's the current archbishop of Washington, D.C. So there also became different questions about McCarrick's influence under Pope Francis, different bishops that came about in America, different cardinals that were made, and McCarrick's influence on these decisions. And a lot of people just started saying, huh, just something really doesn't, this is a, a really horrific thing, which these, um, these claims that were substantiated and McCarrick's being a cardinal was actually taken away, which is the first time that happened in the United States. But there seemed to be more to the story that was uh, looming. The second thing that happened just uh, a couple weeks ago was the Pennsylvania report. And so what was this report? It was mostly things that happened before 2002 and involved 300 priests who abused over 1,000 victims. And it was just really horrific, I think. It's just a, um, a reminder of so many of the abuse things that happened before 2002, so much of the cover-up that happened in the church. And it just um, people didn't necessarily always know the year and the time and the range there, but just awful. And it just brought up some of the past lapses that our church has had in this area and really just brought them to light. And it's so important to do that. And I can't emphasize how important it is, even though it was before 2002 for that to happen. And this was an independent investigation mm -hmm. outside of the church. The church actually said, hey, will you come outside? You people out? No? No, no, no. The, just the Pennsylvania decided to do it uh, independent of the church. The church did not invite this investigation. Pennsylvania meaning the state of Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania. Yes. That's Correct. what I mean. It's, it wasn't like the church did this investigation. Correct. Like it's not like priests like sat down and did this investigation or, mm -hmm. or like people hired by their diocese. It was, it was outside of the church that this investigation was done. Correct. And I think that's important to note. So, so when it comes to uh, this information, it's, it's not things that we need to look at and go, well, did somebody skew it from within the church and try to continue the cover up? Sure. There sure. we go. Yep. Um, also, in the Street Pennsylvania report, Cardinal Worrell was the Archbishop of Pittsburgh at the time, and so there's certain things that he did well, and the report revealed some things and accusations made against them that perhaps he did not do well. So that was all kind of in the air. And then most recently this weekend, 
and most prominently, were accusations made against um, not only these bishops and cardinals we've already mentioned, but also Pope Francis himself. And so the bishop, uh, Carlo Maria Vagano, who was the um, nuncio to the United States, which means he was the Vatican's ambassador to the Catholic Church in the United States. So he basically reports back to the Pope on what is happening in the church in the United States. And um, Bishop Vagano basically said, hey, Pope Francis, he knew about McCarrick and the seminarians, not necessarily the, the abuse against minors, but he, you know, Pope Francis knew about McCarrick and his relationships with the seminarians. Uh, Pope Benedict had put a ban on Cardinal McCarrick because of these things. He told him to have a life of, of penance and prayer, uh, but McCarrick uh, avoided those. And then under Francis, um, Francis lifted that ban. And uh, throughout this letter, it's 11 pages. He named a number of different cardinals and bishops, even preset times within the United States. Uh, and then just recently this evening, as Pope Francis was returning from the World Meeting of Families, uh, our Holy Father was asked for a comment on this 11-page letter. And he basically said, I'm not going to say a single thing about it. Uh, you as journalists can do your job, and the letter stands for itself, which was a bit vague and... Um, Dissettling. Yeah, it didn't bring about any conclusion because um, the Pope basically said, I read the whole letter and I'm not going to comment on it. Because um, what you wanted him to say was, those are lies. Correct, because I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, we all want our Holy Father, the leader of our church to be innocent. And so, oh my gosh, like we want to hear from you that this isn't true. And then we just didn't hear anything. And so anyways, that's where we're at. We, we could go all day into all those different what, you know, evidence and background and rumors and why and all these different things. But we want to give you practical steps, practical actions. In fact, we want to give you five actions that you can take as you're processing all this, as you're going through it, as you're thinking about it and what we can do. And so Lisa, why don't you give us our first action? Great. And again, I just want to reiterate, like, we're not trying to make light of this. <laughs> we're not trying no. to like, let's just get practical. But I, I, our church is in a really bad state right now, and that's just a reality. Um, and we've spent a lot of time mourning and a lot of time being sad about it. Um, and now we're just kind of getting a little angry sometimes, you know, like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to be part of the solution? Because yeah. this is not stopping. And that's what everyone asks is like, well, what can I do? And it's like, well, let's talk about that. Because we can't control a lot of the what and whys, and we're not Catholic journalists, and we're not bishops, and we're not the Vatican, and we're not so many things. But we are people in the pews, just like many of you listening, and there's things we can do. So let's talk about those things, and let's be proactive. Um, as Father Mike Schmidt said in his his uh, video, don't let's not leave the church, let's help lead it. And I, if you haven't seen that Father Mike video, it is really powerful on Ascension Presents. Highly recommend it, but uh, we need to lead. We all need to lead in whatever influence that we have and whatever context we're in. We all need to step up. Our church needs us, so we want to give you five actions that you can do. We'll put a link to that YouTube in the show notes if you somehow missed it. So our first action is, is the most obvious one, and it's it's the first thing that anyone's going to say in this situation of what do we do, and that is is prayer and fasting. We need to be praying and fasting, and this means offering up your sufferings. Um, I'm pregnant right now, so um, I'm finding that quite easily uh, in the moment. Um, when they come to you, those those sufferings that are naturally going to come for you, do, do not waste them. Offer them up for the church, offer them up for the victims of abuse, offer them up for the future of the church and for for reform that needs to happen. Uh, second thing you can do in this prayer and fasting um, 
action step here is to intentionally fast to say, I'm going to forgo some, uh, comfort, some pleasure right now. I'm, I'm intentionally going to give that up for the sake of the body of Christ, for the sake of our church right now. And thirdly, prayer. And there are a lot of ways you can do this. There's a lot of ways that we can pray, but sometimes it's not super helpful when people say, well, just pray. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> okay, I'll sit in my room and God, I pray for the scandals. I mean, you know, what does that look like? So we're going to give you something very practical that, that you can do. And in fact, that we can do together. And it's a suggestion of praying like Pope St. John Paul II. When he was a young man before he was even... Yeah, just in his parish, like yeah, a just, teenager. Yes, he was involved in what's called a living rosary. And this was a group of, at the time, 15 men, because there were 15 mysteries of the rosary. Now there are 20, thanks to Pope John Paul II, with the addition of the luminous mysteries. And each one of them committed to praying one decade of the rosary a day. And together, then, they would be praying a combined full rosary. And so what we are going to suggest and what we're going to set up and have available to you is the opportunity to join a living rosary. Um, It's a way to just be able to pray in solidarity, knowing that there are other people praying with you and you're not doing this alone. But you'll be put into a group of 20 different people total, and each one of you will be assigned a different mystery to pray each day. So throughout the course of the 20 days, you will pray the entire rosary, all 20 mysteries, but each day somebody else will be filling in those other 19 mysteries that you're not praying that day. So each day your group collectively will be praying a full 20 mysteries of the rosary together. Um, it's a really cool, um, cool way to, um, not feel like you're alone in this. And Mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a very simple action step. So how this is going to work is in the show notes, we're going to have a link to a Google form that you can fill out. It's just simply, your name and your email address. And when we have 20 people, then we will set up a group and we will send you an email. It will come from hello at madetomagnify.com and it will tell you your groups. You know, we we hit 20, it's time for a new group. Here's your start date and here's the mystery that you're gonna begin with. And then you just kind of go in order. Um, There'll be a chart, there'll be explanations. It'll make sense when you get it. we promise that we're never going to share your email with anyone. In fact, you're never going to hear from us again. We're not going to try to capitalize on getting your email from trying to pray together. So, um, nope. No, we will not. We will not. You'll never hear from us again. You'll get that one email from Hello to Me to Magnify, and it will tell you um, your group that you're in, and, and that, that's it. We just want to um, provide a way to pray together in a very intentional way for in a very specific intention for our church at this time. So that's the that's the action step that we're going to suggest for prayer. I want to make this really easy, even if you're like, hmm, show notes, like where are those? Um, two things. One, you can go to magnify.com and then click on podcast, and you'll see all the show notes for all of our shows there. So that's one easy way. And then I think, Lisa and I, you can, we, we can post it on social media. We will, yeah. And that way you can just find the link there as well. I just want to make it super easy. It's a really practical step. It's really great to do together. I don't know how many groups we'll get, but I'm just, I think this is a really great thing to do. So just want to make it really easy. Excellent. All right, Kevin, what is our second action we can take in the midst of this? Yeah, um, I think the second action is something along the lines of do your research. And uh, I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter. One of the things I like most about Twitter, it's happened very real time. You get lots of information, lots of different angles, lots of different people. But the downside of that 
is that people often jump to conclusions and because we're so instantaneous, we want instant results and we want to actually do that through social media. And so our culture often does this um, with different issues and tries to take people down or really uh, show other people up on issues. And we've really, uh, this is the way our political nature works and our entertainment culture works. But I'd really caution us as members of the church, as people of quote unquote Catholic Twitter or anything on social media, is just really slow down to actually read through what's going on, uh, to not jump to conclusions. If there's a, like a source document, say like a letter from the nuncio, which there is, it's 11 pages, actually read the letter yourself. Don't just, um, settle for reading articles about it. Don't just settle for different slants or summaries, actually read the letter and then really try to think and see different opinions, see things that are really additional data or information, see what different opinions might be, even from different angles and really think, through it. Uh, no matter what the truth is on this topic, cooler head, what I say is cooler heads need to prevail. And justice is going to take time. And evidence needs to be brought to light. And it might just be because I'm a son of a lawyer and a sibling to two other lawyers that I think through a lot of these things. But really, we have to give accusations and different things their proper time for evidence and to, to have, um, yeah, people support that claim and to understand the interweavings of what might be said and why it's being said. And there's just something that's not to say we shouldn't pursue truth. I'm saying actually we should, but just not to do it and expect it instantaneously and to solve things through Twitter. I think sometimes we get like Twitter mob violence where we just get frustrated and have emotion and just try to solve problems right then and there. And that's really not how life works and not how these really important matters should be settled. Yeah, and I think it's important, like, you don't just read that one article or talk to that one person and then declare that you know exactly what's going on and you know exactly mm-hmm. what needs to happen. It's a very complex situation, and we're not at all saying that there there isn't real issues going on or that we should just, you know, like, have lively conversation about it. No, like, stuff needs to happen. Things need to come to light. But we just want to be smart about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's... um very easy and you're rewarded on social media for being quick. Um, but that doesn't mean that's what we should do. We should, yeah, really think things through and be thoughtful in our responses, which brings us to action number three. Number three action would be to speak out. To speak out. Um, don't think that you can't speak about it. Uh, that's not yep. what we're saying. Not at all. Um, some ways that you can do this to speak out is, is first of all, to connect with your bishop, um, whether that be through a letter or I don't know, maybe, maybe even, um, setting up a meeting with him. I, I think of, um, Catherine of Siena who like followed the Pope to Avion, France when he left the papacy and was like, um, excuse me, I need to talk to you. <laughs> yep. Right. I don't know. Set up a meeting with the Pope. Who knows? Um, maybe you're called to that. Maybe you are the next Catherine of Siena. I have no idea. But at least you could, if you feel called, write a letter to your bishop, again, thoughtfully, not just an angry letter, not just a, um, well, I read this one article and now I know everything, and so I'm going to tell you that you're a horrible person and here's what needs to happen, <laughs> but thoughtfully saying, as a lay person from the pew, here's here's what I'm experiencing and here's what I am requesting you consider mm-hmm. um, and, and let him know uh, your thoughts. That's, that's 
that needs to happen. If the bishop is hearing from many lay faithful the same message, that can really give them the courage. It can also give them so, some knowledge of, okay, here's the direction that I need to head. This is what what my flock is, is asking of me, um, and here's how I need to lead. Second thing is to talk to your... And real quick, that's not to say yeah. everyone's called to write a letter to their bishop. But if you do feel called, speak up, speak out. Like there's mm-hmm. no need for silence among, you know, so just want to make that clear. Yes, absolutely. Um, and same thing with your priest, uh, giving feedback to your priest. Um, maybe it's it's saying, hey, can we get together? I, I really, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I want to have a conversation with you. I don't feel like you're on board here. I, I'm... I'm disappointed that you haven't been speaking from from the pulpit about this. Whatever it is, um, you can speak out. You can you can have that meeting. Of course, you're coming in with love. You're coming in with, I want this to be a productive conversation, and you're not just going there to yell at them. Um, but you can voice your concerns. You can voice your needs. You can voice what it is that's going on that you need their support in, and that mm-hmm. you need to hear from them. Absolutely. And then the third thing is to speak out to those around you, whether that be uh, in a workplace conversation. If you hear people talking about it, you know, speak up. Don't just, don't just like hide in the corner and put your crucifix away. Like (laughs) actually be bold enough to say, yeah, we are in the church mad. We are upset. We are angry. And, and here's what we're trying to do about it and, and speak truth into that situation. And same thing with social media. Um, it, maybe there are times where you have that friend who writes some post and you feel like you need to comment. Do it, but do it, do it with intelligence, not just mm-hmm. emotional reaction. Have an actual point that you're trying to make and that comes from doing your research from point two and understanding the issue understanding issues and understanding what's going on Uh, but don't be afraid to to not speak out we need that yeah and i think if it's somebody on social media it's great to approach them hopefully in person if you can or through email first i don't think arguments over social media ever typically go well but just overall on social media you just want to speak without emotion and again that real-time nature sometimes really makes our opinions. Yeah. We want to be first, but that's not always the best thing to do. Great. So to recap here, our five actions so far, we've said the first one is prayer and fasting. The second is to do your research. Third is to speak out. Kevin, why don't you give us the fourth? The fourth one is to remember God's faithfulness. I think as we go through this and we're just processing this all with you, it's really easy to dive into despair, frustration, anger, and just lots of questions like, Jesus, where are you? Like, why would you let this happen to your church? Like, I thought the church was like your bride and it was the self truth and it's supposed to be, you know, holy and all those different things. And all those things are true and all those expectations are good. But I think it's um, in these moments is to not fall into despair. We really need to remember God's faithfulness. Um, and remember that throughout the history of God's people, through scripture, there's so many great examples. Um, in church history, there's some really great examples. Uh, if we had more time, we could go into them in your own life, hopefully. So there's some really good examples as well. And just remember those and cherish those. And just remember God is working through this. God is moving. God is bringing about grace. God is bringing about redemption. He can work through these things. And he's got it under control. And he's going to work good from evil because that is what God does. And um, one real big sign of that, of God's faithfulness in our own lives, came this last weekend and involves a little bit of a story. 
And some of you know this story. We've might have said some of it before, but there's a new twist to it. So we um, had two children pretty early on in our marriage. Then we had a time when we struggled with infertility, what would, could be called secondary infertility. And we had this big gap between uh, after our second child. And so um, in two, 2012, October 22nd, we were on a pilgrimage with Focus to Rome. And uh, during that time, we went to a chapel called San Agostino. And um, as you enter that chapel, there's a statue of Our Lady um, that many people go to to pray uh, in regards to children, in particular infertility. And all along the wall in the back around Our Lady, there are pendants of people who basically who prayed to Our Lady for children and then received uh, children, uh, what they believed as a result of those prayers. And so we said, wow, this is a great place for us to pray to have another child. And um, we were amazingly blessed in this experience. And exactly one year later, to the date, October 22nd, that next year, we had our third child, um, and it was on the feast day of John Paul II, and this place was a, a great place of prayer for John Paul II. So it's just an amazing story in our life, but here's the twist, is that as a part of God answering that prayer, we said, if you answer this prayer, we will come back with that child to thank you, just as so many other people have. And so when our third child was three and a half in 2017, in March, we went back and uh, gave God thanks. And before we went in, I said, hey, Lisa, are we going to just thank God, or we're going to ask God for another baby, because at this point in time, we had another three-and-a-half-year gap between children, and she said, as we were talking to all the kids... Well, that gap, like, we just, we hadn't conceived again. Yeah. It had been three-and-a-half years. That was the gap. Yeah, Yeah, three-and-a-half years. So I said, hey, are we going to ask for another baby, and, you know, our kids were there, and so, and and Lisa probably could explain this better, but she said, we're just going to give thanks in this moment, like, we're not going to pray for another child. Well, I just didn't want it to come across as like, God is a genie. If we mm-hmm. go in there and, you know, we ask him. To Rode the magic us. Madonna. Yeah. 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 The magic Mary. Because if we did, you know, have another baby after we prayed, then the fear would be the kids would see God as a genie. And mm-hmm. if we didn't, then the fear would be that the kids would see God as unfaithful. Yeah. And so we more so wanted to emphasize where we're, we're coming to say thank you. Yeah. And like things are God's will. And it's hard to explain that to kids. Anyways, so we, per- so we went inside and I, I didn't hear that, all that explanation from Lisa. I just heard, hey, we're going to say thank you. And I said, well, the heck with that. I'm going to ask for a child. And so um, that next year, Lisa sat me down and she said, hey, I'm pregnant. And um, I was really shocked. It was really amazing. And um, we've talked about that on a previous podcast. Um, but I noticed the date. And I realized that the date that she told me that she was pregnant, the date that we found out we were pregnant, I went back and tracked it back, and it was one year to the date when we prayed, when I prayed for a baby at San Agostino uh, for that fourth child. But I didn't tell Lisa right then and there because there's another twist to it. And the reason why is because, well, we'll get to it. It's this weekend we had our gender reveal party. Um, it was great with family and friends, and uh, we found out that we're having a boy, uh, which is super exciting. And that's really the news I was waiting for because when I made that prayer request at San Agostino for our fourth child, I didn't just pray for a baby. I prayed for a baby boy. And um, it's just an amazing memory of, and and just uh, God's faithfulness and how much God cares for us. And um, just so many signs with our children that that's been the case and continues to be with our fourth child. And I just, uh, amidst all of these things that are happening this weekend, um, I'm most uh, moved by, by the Lord's faithfulness. And just good to remember that. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, God has really chosen to show his providence through our children, mm-hmm. <laughs> like through the way they come about. So there's a five-year gap between two and three, and there's going to be a five-year gap between three and four, which, you know, has led us to believe multiple times, like, oh, maybe we're not having more kids. And there's there's really no explanation, and we're, we've actually never had to use NFP in our marriage for the purpose of delaying a child. It's, we've mm-hmm. always been open. Um, it's just how they've come. But um, our son, Paul, uh, so our second child was actually born on the five-year anniversary after my dad passed away. My dad passed away at 45, and um, Paul was born on his death anniversary. And this baby boy is born, or is not born, is due on my dad's birthday. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's definitely a, uh, some grandparenting from heaven going on. Um, <laughs> or at least he's doing he's doing what he can from heaven. So, um, yeah, it's just been incredible to see um, how each of our children have just been like incredi- incredibly providential in their days and, and in the way that, that they've come about. It's just... It's not normal. It's not the typical like Catholic pattern, but um, it's it seems very thought through when you look at all the ways that God has provided. And we just need these moments, like to go back, yeah, to our point of remembering God's faithfulness amidst all the frustration and the confusion and everything that's going on. We need these types of stories in our lives, and if uh, hopefully you can find that in your own life. Remember a certain point in time that felt like God's really moved, or maybe just ask a friend or read read something from scripture or, or something from church history. Um, it's just so helpful and we just really need that. So that's a great action you can take is just remember God's faithfulness. Lisa, you want to take us to number five? Yes. Our last one quickly is, um, just to recognize, you know, in the midst of all that is going on, um, there is a challenge um, for those faithful priests and bishops who have been faithful, who have um, served in amazing ways. And so our, our fifth thing really is just to encourage those priests and bishops in your life and that you see, um, especially, you know, if you're out right now uh, at the airport or, you know, out at the grocery store or whatever, and you see a priest walking around in clerics, um, I can almost guarantee you that that's a priest who's incredibly faithful because mm-hmm. he's putting himself like on the line right there to be a public witness and risking waiting to get ridiculed, waiting to get questions, waiting to get dirty looks, waiting, you know, for any of that. And he's willing to say, yeah, I'm going to take that on. Um, so if you see that, we just really encourage you to go up to that priest or bishop and, and speak words of kindness and love to them and thank them for their witness and thank them for all that they're doing for the church. Cause that takes a lot of bravery right now in this time to, to be out in public like that. Um, and if you, you have a priest in your life who, you know, and you trust is truly, um, mourning with us. And, and I hope that this is the majority of priests. And, and I do believe that this is the majority of priests Absolutely. in their hearts. They're broken. They're torn up. And, and sometimes they're not speaking because they just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to process this themselves. Cause maybe it's their friend who's being accused of something or who's, you know, they, I, we, I don't even know, but I, I, we just want to encourage you to encourage priests and bishops in this time because they are suffering in silence a lot right now. And I want to say something that I think priests can't say, and that's when there's victims of uh, abuse by the clergy, 
is that they can't say it's difficult for me because that comes off as really tone deaf because obviously the victims have suffered so much more and they've suffered at the hands of clergy. So somebody who's a priest can't say, well, can't you think of how much I'm suffering? It's really hard for them to say. Yeah, people are being mean to me. Yeah, it sounds like, oh yeah, thanks, Father. Well, don't you know what all these priests have done? You know, like, yikes. But the reality is they are human. The reality is this is really hard. The reality is they didn't sign up for this. And for the vast majority of them, they didn't do these actions and they didn't control their bishop. And they are way more angry and way more frustrated than you are. And some, but sometimes they just receive um, people's hate, whether it's in the pews or outside the pews, whether it's at church or whether it's in public, like they get it all. And so just a reminder, um, no matter who your priest is at your parish, whether he's done the most amazing job possible, whether he's, you feel like he's done the worst job, I bet he's suffering. And when you speak to them, speak to them with encouragement and charity, uh, no matter who they are, even if they need um, some admonishing, uh, boy, start with charity because, yeah, it's a it's not a, not easy job right now. All right. Well, that brings us to our how-to challenge for this episode. And uh, there's kind of a two-fold challenge here. The first one is to sign up to join a living rosary group. Again, that's going to be in the show notes. You're just going to go to uh, this link for a Google form, put in your name and your email, and we will send you all the details you need to be a part of a living rosary. Um, it's a really, really powerful experience. I know in 2015, um, when everything was coming down with ISIS, I remember feeling very, this kind of similar overwhelmed, like, what do we even do? What can I possibly do? And I organized, I think there was about 80 of us, so four different living rosary groups that were doing living rosary together just through the Focus Wives, um, just through like my own email contacts. And um, it was just so powerful to know each day as I prayed my one decade that I was praying it along with 19 other people. And it just really encouraged me and gave me... Um, just a feeling of, you know, it, there's hope. It's, mm -hmm. it's horrible, but there's God's God's still here. So we really encourage you to sign up to join a living rosary with us. And then we're also going to challenge you to, to pick one other action to take, whether that be, um, you know, if something pricked your heart and you said, yeah, I really do. I need to set up an appointment and, and talk to my priest about this. Um, or whether that be, you know, all I've actually read is Twitter comments or Facebook rants, and maybe I should actually read that document, or maybe I should actually look at this a little more deeply and understand what has happened and what is going on. Whatever that is, we challenge you to, to pick one more action to take. Yeah, that is awesome. And that's um, ultimately our show today. You know, we're still processing through all this. And if you have uh, just any comments or suggestions for us, you can always email us at hello at magnify.com or you can reach us on social media. I'm Kevin R. Cotter. Um, and then Lisa is Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. We're on Instagram and Twitter. And um, yeah, as we end all shows, and I think the advice continues to remain very true, especially in trying times, is to be saints because it's worth it. God bless. God bless.